Amen. Thank you for praying. Access, we love you. We, we, love our, we love our church, but we love that other church too, don't we? We love you, Access Church, and we're glad you're here today. Uh, this morning is the final uh, in this series of sermons that I've done through the Advent season about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christmas. And, and by now, if you've been with me for the previous three weeks, I, I hope you agree with me that the Holy Spirit has been conspicuously missing from all of our nativity scenes. His important role in the Christmas story is unmistakable, but far too often overlooked. He was the spirit that guaranteed the promises of God going back hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. And he still stands as our guarantee of what God has yet promised. He was the spirit who prepared the people of God to receive their king. And he's still busy preparing our hearts for Jesus' second coming. He was the spirit who proclaimed. He proclaimed the good news of Jesus' arrival. And he's still proclaiming the gospel, the good news, through us today. There's no question that the Holy Spirit was intimately involved in the Christmas story. He was active and he was effective in accomplishing God's work. But it's not Christmas any longer. The pages of the calendar have turned. The mission of God has continued forward toward its next objective. Can I ask you a question? What have you been up to this week? What have you done since Christmas? Have have you been busy? or not so much. It's probably different answers for different folks, but I can tell you this, my social media feed has been full of people joking about how that week between Christmas and New Year's is just weird. You know, we don't go where we usually go the rest of the year. It's unlike any other week in the year. Our daily schedule is completely thrown off. We don't know what day it is. We can't count on businesses to be open at their normal times. Lots of people just don't seem to get anything important done. How many in this room took extra time off of work or school this week? How many people in this room went somewhere this past week that you don't usually go? You had an appointment that was a little bit off book for you, whether it was to see somebody or or go somewhere. I mean, life is just different this week. Lots of us just weren't in our usual place at the usual time doing our usual thing this week. Do you suppose it's like that for the Holy Spirit? Jesus is born, Christmas has come, so the Holy Spirit can take a week or so off. Head back to heaven, sleep in every morning, silence his cell phone, and stop answering emails? Do we have to worry about whether or not we're going to find him where he's supposed to be when we need him? Any chance he's just disappeared for a while? Christofferson's, where were you this last week? They were at Disney. They were at Disney. You weren't where we needed you. Is it like that for the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Did the Holy Spirit go to Disney? Of course not, but that's a different sermon. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit who just takes a break and disappears. He is the spirit who is present. 
show you what I mean, I want to read to you one of the stories that Luke tells us about something that took place in the weeks following the Christmas story. I'm going to read to you this story in more or less its entirety, beginning in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. The gospel says this, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took the baby Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. So let me take you right back through this story real quick and make sure we're all on the same page as it pertains to the highlights in this story. We have an old man by the name of Simeon, and he is full of the Holy Spirit, and he has been waiting for the promised Messiah. Now, in the general sense, most Jews were waiting for the promised Messiah. They were waiting for God to fulfill his promise of restoration, just kind of in the general sense, much in the same way that we're all waiting for the bears to be relevant again, right? It's like it's going to happen someday because we've heard it's been promised. Papa Bear Alice said in the prophecies there would come a day, right? And so we're waiting for this, but we don't know when it's going to happen. But Simeon believed, and the Bible says that he was right about this, that the Holy Spirit had specifically promised him that he would see the Messiah in his lifetime with his own eyes. Now, apparently Simeon lived in or around Jerusalem. And so on one particular day, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he heads over to the temple just to hang out for a while. Did he do that often? We don't really know. But on this particular day, that's exactly what he did. And it just so happens that that's the very day that Mary, Joseph, and a baby Jesus show up in order to go through the ceremonial cleansing rites that were required of a woman and her firstborn. And as they presumably pass each other in the courtyard, the Holy Spirit smacks Simeon in the face and says, there he is. There he is. Simeon presumably didn't even know that's why he was going to the temple that particular day. But in that moment, in an unmistakable way, the Holy Spirit says to Simeon, there he is. And so Simeon grabs the baby, can we presume with with permission? Like hopefully he asked first, otherwise this story is much stranger. He grabs the baby and rejoices and he gives thanks to God. And the Holy Spirit is actively part of every part of that story. The Holy Spirit is present 
as all of that is happening. Because that's how the Spirit works. By His Spirit, God speaks to us. By His Spirit, God speaks to us. There were a lot of old men living in Jerusalem when Jesus was born, but there's something noteworthy about Simeon, isn't there? The the story makes that clear in verse 26. It says it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit had spoken to Simeon and said that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now, I know that there are a lot of Christians who get uncomfortable when they hear someone suggest that God speaks directly to us. That proposition in the ears of some sounds goofy or maybe even dangerous. Oh, you think God speaks directly to you? You freak. How weird that must be. Sometimes people claim that the best way, sometimes people claim that the only way that we can hear God's voice, can I use finger quotes? Hear God's voice is to read the Bible. They say the only real way that God speaks to his people is through the written inspired word of God. Everything else is dangerous trickery. Don't believe that. Don't believe that, they say. Some people feel uncomfortable. To this, theologian Gordon Fee, who passed away this past year, has said the problem with folks like that is they dismiss the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And while we Christians say we worship a triune God, their trinity has become the Father, the Son, and the Holy Book. We worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you see, it's interesting to me, those who might suggest that one can't hear directly from the Holy Spirit, it's interesting to me, those who might suggest that the only way to hear directly from God is to read your printed Bible, it's interesting to me because the idea that God would speak a specific, timely word to an individual is a pretty central theme of the Bible. Good luck finding a story where it doesn't take place. How can we believe, how can we claim to believe and uphold the Bible as being God's revealed word while denying that God actually reveals his word? Now, very true. Very, very, very true. We have to learn. Oh, we have to be careful. We have to be careful and learn to identify God's voice in our hearts. And an important part of that absolutely is understanding that God will never contradict what is written in his word. And that is one of the reasons why it is so essential. It is so important to spend time each and every day studying the written word of God because that's how we learn to recognize his voice. Because if we're not careful... What we think is the voice of God starts to sound an awful lot like what I just really, really, really want. Now, I had a, a recently a friend of mine told this story about how he met his wife when they were both students in Bible college. And she told him some time later that before they were married, of course, before even they were dating, while she was a student at that Bible college, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 other guys at various points had come to her and said, 
I need to share with you that the Lord has given me a word. The Holy Spirit has revealed to me that we're going to be married. And she told them, you're entitled to your opinion. <laughs> Apparently, in that case, the Holy Spirit had a particularly difficult time determining what exactly he wanted for her, probably because she was so good looking. If we're not careful, we mistake what we really, really, really want for the word of God. And we can't do that. We have to be better than that. But my experience is that we can be better than that. My experience is, is that if you really trust that God by his spirit still speaks to his people, and if you make it a focus of your life to hear his voice, you will learn to recognize his voice. Now granted, you might never hear anything quite so specific as what Simeon heard, but eventually you're going to find yourself at the right place at the right time. Eventually, you're going to discover that you've chosen to trust the right people for the right things. Eventually, you're going to realize that that weird dream you had the other night or that unexplained thought that you can't escape is actually a spirit-driven impulse to be in prayer about something. And all of that is going to happen because the Holy Spirit is present in your life. And just like he did with Simeon, He's speaking to you. And as was the case with Simeon, oftentimes what the Spirit speaks to us, it requires action on our part, right? We can be confident, though, that the Spirit who is present is present with us as we respond. By His Spirit, God moves with us. He doesn't just speak to us, but he moves with us. And that's how Simeon, for instance, ended up in the right spot. Verse 27 says, moved by the Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. That's important, isn't it? Why did Simeon go to the temple that day? Why was he in the temple courts when, when Mary and Joseph and Jesus arrived? It wasn't because he thought maybe he'd go. It wasn't because he heard that that's the day the empanada truck was going to be there. It wasn't because he had any other sort of inkling. The Bible is clear. It was because he was moved by the Spirit. As I said earlier, we really have no way of knowing for sure how often Simeon hung out at the temple. The word says he was devout, so presumably he had been there before, but really we have no specifics on his habits. Did he go every day? Was it part of his regular routine? Did he swing by once in a while? Or was it something unusual that day? In any case, the Bible makes it clear that on that particular day, <coughs> excuse me, on that particular day, the Holy Spirit was the one who propelled him and went with him so that he would be in the right place at the right time. In 2007, my dad suffered a massive stroke and he was placed into uh, intensive care in the hospital. And the doctors told us in, in the hours following his stroke that the ideal scenario would be to see just how far his body could, could heal itself before they operate. We're gonna withhold surgery, they said, as a last possible option. And so he was in intensive care and it was really just a matter of waiting and watching. 
And it was just a couple of days after the stroke, he was in that intensive care room. I remember I was sitting there, my mother was there, and my Aunt Joanne was sitting there with him. And it just suddenly became apparent to us in the space of just about 20 or 30 minutes that his condition was quickly, quickly deteriorating. We were watching him go right, right before our eyes. And we alerted the nurses on staff and they said, we're gonna page his doctor, we're gonna page his neurosurgeon who's gonna come, he needs to assess him, you're right, he needs to get it, but the, his doctor was doing rounds and so he's gonna be here, he's gonna be here just as soon as he can, he's gonna be here in a few minutes, just wait, he'll come, he'll come, he'll come. But as we're waiting in, in what really was probably only a handful of minutes, but it felt to us like hours, we're watching him slip away. And my aunt, I'll never forget this, my aunt left his bedside and walked out of that room into the hospital hallway. And she didn't make it but a step or two outside of the room. And I saw her stop. And I heard her yell, Dr. Brown! My aunt had been a nurse at that hospital more than 20 years before. And as she stepped out of my dad's room that day, she saw down the hall a doctor that she recognized from earlier in her career. It wasn't my dad's doctor, but it was another doctor. And he was a neurosurgeon. And she said, Dr. Brown. And Dr. Brown stopped and turned around. And he said, is that you, Joanne? And she said, yes. He said, what are you doing here? And she said, come into this room, please. Walk into this room right now. My brother-in-law is in here, and we're waiting for his doctor, but he hasn't come yet. Dr. Brown said, okay, and he walked into the room. He wasn't there 30 seconds, so he was back out in the hallway. He said to the nurse, clear the operating room, call my team on emergency right now. We are going in, and I'm going to do surgery. He saved my dad's life. We were told later, dad wouldn't have made it. He wouldn't have made it if we had had to wait for the doctor who was on rounds to come see him. Why was my aunt in the hallway at that moment? Why did a doctor that she hadn't seen for years happen to walk just down that hallway, just down that moment? Why was that doctor a skilled neurosurgeon and not a pulmonologist or a podiatrist? Nothing against podiatrists. But the person that we needed in that moment was right there, right in that moment. The world might call that a coincidence. But we have a greater faith than that, don't we? Amen. When we are attentive to the Holy Spirit, there's no such thing as coincidence. When we move with the Holy Spirit, there's no such thing as a fluke. Luck and fate have no bearing on the steps of those who are attuned to the Holy Spirit. The word of God says, in him we live and move and have our being. And by his spirit, God moves with us. And it is essential that we find ourselves in the right place at the right time because God has plans for us that we know not of and that we could never imagine. Can I, can I ask you just a ridiculous set of hypotheticals here for a moment? I mean, I know this is way off book here, but, but just imagine with me for a moment. What happened to the shepherd who called in sick on the night the angels sang? 
What happened to the wise man who saw the star but just didn't like to travel? What happened to the innkeeper who didn't bother to offer up his manger but just said, hey, get out of here, I'm full? What happened to them that night? What happened is they missed out. They missed out on the arrival of Jesus by failing to respond to the leading of the Holy Spirit. They weren't in the right place when God showed up. And it's the same with us because by his spirit, God comes to us. By his spirit, God shows up. By his spirit, God comes to us. It wasn't just about Simeon going to the temple and seeing Jesus. The encounter becomes a lot more intimate than that. Verse 28 tells us Simeon took Jesus in his arms. Isn't that vivid? Isn't that vivid? It's not, I went and I saw my Savior. It's, I went and I embraced and I grabbed hold of my Savior. That's the difference in a spirit-filled life. Imagine this scene, because it was a busy day at the temple that day. There in the temple courtyard, there are hundreds of people coming and going, and it's noisy, and it's crowded, and it smells a little bit, because it's filled with, with tourists. With, with business people, with soldiers keeping watch, with rich, with poor, with everyone that you can imagine, it's filled. This is the heart of the city. This is the merchandise mart in downtown Chicago. Everyone is there doing their thing and every one of them has their eyes open. All of them are seeing the same things. They see the crowds. They see the animals. They see the priests coming and going with their duties. They see the building. They see the treasures. But how many noticed the young travelers from Nazareth with their new baby? How many bumped into them as they hurried across the courtyard? How many were close enough to actually hear their voices to touch them? even to share a couple of moments with them if they had chosen to do so. But only one did. Countless others had the chance, but only one man actually grabbed hold of his savior that day. Was it the guy with the most knowledge? No, that would have been the temple scribes. Was it the one with the most authority? No, that would have been the Roman soldiers watching over from a distance? Was it the one who was most religious? Well, Simeon was devout, but no, most religious, that would have been the priests taking care of their duties. It wasn't any of those. It was the one who was most attuned to the Holy Spirit. He grabbed hold of his Savior that day. And that's how the whole appearance of Christ works. Right? That's what we've been talking about these weeks. The Holy Spirit promises, the Holy Spirit prepares, the Holy Spirit proclaims, and then Jesus shows up. He promises, he prepares, he proclaims, and then Jesus shows up. We've spent the last three weeks identifying that pattern. The Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit promised the world. The Holy Spirit prepared the world. The Holy Spirit proclaimed to the world. 
and then Jesus showed up. <laughs> he was born, and those who had heard and believed the call, they were there. They were there to receive him. But on this particular day, sometime after the Christmas story, the Holy Spirit zoomed in. It was no longer a broad mission. It was a particular mission on that particular day. He zoomed in because the Holy Spirit had a promise for Simeon. The Holy Spirit had a proclamation for Simeon. The Holy Spirit had prepared Simeon. And then Jesus showed up for Simeon. Are you eager for Jesus to show up in your life? Listen to the Spirit. Because I believe that that's the real significance of Christmas. The miracle of Christmas, of course, is that God came near. The Gospel of John puts it this way, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But the Word who became flesh, Jesus, He dwelt among us for just 33 years. That was the extent in time of His physical proximity. That's not how God stays close to us today because it was never God's plan for Jesus to remain physically present with us, at least not this side of heaven. Yes, our, our Lord came near, but 33 years later, he ascended right back into God's heavenly throne room. But that doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. That doesn't mean that we have to wait until heaven to be with him. It doesn't mean that we missed out on being close to God just because we weren't in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Because the promise of Christmas encapsulated in that one word, right? Emmanuel. What does that mean? God is with us. The promise of Emmanuel is in effect for you and me. But not because of the presence of Jesus, rather because of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. By his spirit, God is with us. By his spirit, God is with us. I'm going to ask Hannah to come back to the keyboard. She's going to give us some music as we close today. I want to say this. How many of you have heard someone say at one time or another, oh, it's, it's my goal in this new year to be closer to God. I would imagine that many of us have actually made that proclamation, made that resolution for ourselves at one point or another. Maybe it's something that you've thought of even this year. It's my goal in the new year to be closer to God. Let me tell you what we really mean when we say something like that. What we're really saying, whether we realize it or not, is that we want to be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. We want God's Spirit to surround us in unique and powerful ways, just as it did with Simeon. How does this whole story with Simeon even get started? What's the setup here? What makes this one particular man ready to be the central figure in this story? It's back in verse 25, where the word tells us this. The Holy Spirit was on Simeon. The Holy Spirit was on him. Read through the New Testament. There's all kinds of language 
all kinds of different words used to describe that interaction between the Holy Spirit and the people of God. All of those phrases are important. Sometimes we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. We talk about being baptized with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the scholars among us will get out our notepads and our pencils and we'll make, well, it says with here and it says in here and surrounded by in this passage and we'll kind of delve into the nuance of all of those things. Can I tell you that, trust me, I've done that. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot there. There's not a lot there. What's important is the interaction between the people and the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's not get lost in the details here, right? But at the same time, can I tell you how much I love this phrase? this year that your chaos 
would turn into order. That God would speak flourishing into your life out of the nothingness that is there now. That out of, out of darkness there would explode unspeakable beauty. Do you desire that for your life this year? And whether you've realized it or not, whether you've chosen to articulate it this way or not, can I just tell you that what your heart really, really, really is longing for is that the Holy Spirit would be present. That the Holy Spirit would be present as he was with Simeon. sing this song. We sang it earlier today. I'll admit I asked Hannah to sing it. We sing the chorus. Come Lord Jesus, come. And there's a, a, a deep theological significance and truth to that. We are a people who are awaiting the second advent of Christ. It is absolutely essential that we have hearts that cry out, come Lord Jesus, come. We live in a time that parallels very closely the time of the shepherds and the wise men and the citizens of Bethlehem and the people who are waiting for the appearance of their Savior because we also are waiting for the appearance of our Savior. We don't know when he's going to arrive yet. Perhaps there are those to whom the Holy Spirit has revealed something special and unique in the way he did for Simeon. I don't know. But what I do know is that we, like them, are crying out for the appearance of our Savior. But in this song, we don't typically sing, come Lord Jesus, come, come Lord Jesus, come, and let it end there. We transition into that second chorus that says, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Because here's the deal. We don't know how long we have to wait to see Jesus again with our own eyes. We know it's going to happen. Don't misunderstand me here. I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not sure. No, 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 no. We live in confidence of his second appearance. We just don't know when. You want to live your life in the strength of Emmanuel. God is with us. You're talking about the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of him, church. Don't be afraid of him. Don't be, uh, don't, don't succumb to those fears that say, I don't know, it sounds a little weird. Maybe, you know, let's, let's, let's soft pedal this Holy Spirit thing. The Father sounds safe. Jesus, I can wrap my mind around, but let's let, let's let the crazies deal with the Holy Spirit. Uh, 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 uh. We can't afford to do that. We hunger for the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit of God because that's what God has promised for us. He is the Spirit who is present. So we're going to close this way today. I'd like everyone to stand to their feet. And we're going to pray. 
I'm going to ask you for a couple of questions and I'm going to invite you to respond with a raised hand if you want. So I'd ask you first to just bow your head so you can consider what I've said and what I'm about to say in the privacy of your own heart. I'd like you to silence your mind so that you might be attuned to the voice of God. I believe many hands will go up when I say this because it's a simple question. How many would say, I want more of Jesus in my life this year? Simple question, straightforward, no tricks here. I want more of Jesus in my life this year. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can put your hands down. Now, how many would say, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. Declare that this baby from Bethlehem 
is the one that God has promised. The one that God has proclaimed should be the Lord over every detail of my life. Is there anybody here who just with a look and a quick wave towards me would say, today is my Simeon day. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Holy Spirit, you are present. You are on this of flesh can't you see the hearts of your people you see the hearts of your people and God there's rejoicing in heaven because of the salvation of your people for those that have embraced Jesus for the first time today I pray Lord Someone as you leave, check in with somebody and have a happy.